welcome to Road to Billions podcast, the mentality of an entrepreneur, with your host, Moise Bertrand. Hey, what's up, everybody? So it's Moise Bertrand, your host of Road to Billions podcast, and today is Real Estate Wednesdays. And we have Mr. Daniels today about to answer one of the difficult questions a lot of people avoid asking. What are the ways you could avoid a bad real estate deal? So I have Mr. Daniels here with me right now. Um, and he's going to give you guys, you know, all the gems you need in order to, you know, invest in your first property correctly and also how to avoid the bad deal. So how you doing today, Mr. Daniels? Doing good, man. How are you? Doing good. Can I complain? So I know we have a lot of young and, uh, you know, mature audience members, and they were they're one of their questions that a lot of people, of course, come across to is how to avoid a bad real estate deal like that specifically. Right. So so the biggest thing is, and this is something that that's very, very common for early investors, right? When you when you first want to get in the game, it's like you want to deal, you want to deal, you want to deal, right? You just want to get in the game. Like, you don't, you're just like, man, I can't wait to buy something. I can't wait to buy something. So what happens is, what do you do? You get emotional, right? So emotion is your enemy in investing, right? You want to invest based off of numbers, right? So you take emotion out of it. You don't think about that. All you're really thinking about are the numbers because numbers don't lie, right? So numbers can lie, but generally speaking, numbers don't lie. When you stick with your numbers, you're usually in good shape. So the number one way to avoid a bad deal is to remove your emotions from the process. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of different ways to do that. So the biggest thing I would tell people is when you find a deal um, that, you, that you really, really like, take it to someone who will be honest with you, right? Someone who, is, who has done a lot of real estate deals, who's experienced and say, hey, I got a deal. Um, you know, I think I'm, I'm looking to move forward on. Obviously, someone you trust won't try to steal the deal from you or anything <laughs> crazy like that, right? Because, <laughs> you know, that does, that does happen. And I've seen that happen before. Uh, you know, it's like business is, is business, man. It's a tough world. So once you have the property under contract or under some type of control or, you know, bring it to someone uh, who you trust who won't do something like that, then they say, hey, is this a good deal? Um, and what you'll find is that, you know, you'll get a lot of different opinions. Sometimes people will say, yeah, it's a good deal. Sometimes they might say no. And you have to be able to take that criticism or uh, support in a constructive way. That makes sense. Yeah. So if someone is um, very tight on budget, do you think they should risk if a deal could be, could go right or could go wrong? And the way I'm trying to structure this question is, you know how you can automatically look at a house and be like, oh, this will be a great ideal location. But for another house, somebody may, may come across, it may be like a 50, 50. You might be like, uh, but this person is tied up in so much money. Do you think they should risk that deal? Or just weigh it out a lot easier and just, you know, look for another one in the meantime? Right. So, so that's another great question. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, right? So a deal is only a deal if you can afford it, right? So if you are, if you're able to, either you personally or the money you have access to, right? So if you are over leveraged, guess what's going to happen? You're going to lose the deal regardless, right? And that, that happens a lot. So people in real estate are almost just as likely to lose are to lose money because they're over leveraged versus being not having enough money at all. Right. So right. what happens is if you talk to a lot of real estate investors or people who just invest in general, you'll hear them saying like, Oh, I went bankrupt a couple of times, but then I bounced back. Right. 
So generally speaking, most of the time when people go bankrupt is because they tried to scale too much or they tried to go too hard at one time, right? right. So the, the, the crazy thing about business and about the business of real estate is that kind of the same things that can get you rich can make you go broke, right? So you want to scale, you want to do a lot of deals, you want to you know, take risk, obviously, uh, calculated risk. However, those risks can also go the other way. And that's why, that's why, um, you know, you can get wiped out. So it's, it's something really interesting because that's actually how you prosper in real estate. A lot of times you win as a real estate investor by buying deals that someone else messed up. Right. Right. So that's kind of how the game works. So pretty much in life, that's like how you just want to pick what you, you just want to pick your battles wisely. I don't think nobody wants to over leverage especially with debt because, you know, real estate is still some form of debt if you're not, you know, mitigating the risk, right? But that's a very good point you made. I feel like a lot of people, especially my generation, I feel like one of the bad things they do is they just hurt and they just look for a house and not knowing this house may have, this this house needs a roof repair and they may not know about it. So I do feel like when someone does get a real estate deal, they shouldn't always try to keep it to themselves and try to, you know, be Mr. Save the Day. I think they should really try to get someone who's experienced, even though they're not really experienced, but has some form of touch of real estate. Because I feel like a lot of people do need that guidance. Uh, absolutely. And then the biggest thing is this, right? So, you know, the, the younger generation or generation coming up now is coming up in the social media era, right? And everyone only shows their highlights on social media, right? So when's the last time you saw somebody posting about being foreclosed on? are losing their house or going bankrupt. People don't post that, right? Everybody just posts their wins. So it makes it seem like everybody's winning, but everybody's not winning, right? For every nine times out of 10, when you come across a real estate deal, it's because somebody lost, right? So so what happens is, you know, like, like I'll give you like an example. A lot of people are like, you know, now one of the really popular fads is like house hacking, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and people are telling people, you know, go out and buy a quadruplex and how, you know, live in one and rent out the other three. And, you know, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing to do, but what I'm saying is they're not analyzing, they're not, they're not telling the people that, hey, you need to be prepared to fix stuff in three different units, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's not just about the mortgage. What if something breaks? What if the toilet breaks? What if the water breaks? What if the roof? What if all these things happen, right? So now you have three units where something could potentially go wrong, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, so, so you always want to kind of be in that middle between being optimistic and being pessimistic, and in the middle between that is realistic, right? Um, and and once you get in that middle, that's when you that's when you'll find that's when you'll avoid losing a lot of money. Yeah, I do feel like one of the reasons people hurt and run to stuff like that and hurt and make a notion like I got to hurt and get a, like a four four bedroom house and live in three. I mean, live in one and rent out the other three is because that's what they feel like it it works. Like it's been talked about so much, but I just really go into a notion like. What works for somebody else may not work for me. So I feel like as someone who's going into real estate, like a newbie, they should really try to test everything because there's specific markets. I know you talked about like you don't have to necessarily house hack. You could just get Section 8, you know, of course, to do all that. And then you could still just, you know, live your life and somewhere else. But I definitely feel like one of the biggest things that um, the young investors have to do is stop believing everything they see on the Internet and do some thorough research themselves. Yeah, facts. I mean, just do research and talk to somebody. You know, I mean, the 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 beautiful thing about it is, from from my experience, real estate is a great industry because 
there's so many houses, right? So you're not necessarily competing with someone. I mean, if you just look, if you just look on your street, on one street, it might be a hundred houses, you know, or, you know, in a neighborhood, it might be six or 700 houses. So, you know, and, and someone to own, you know, five or 10 of those would be considered extremely successful, you know? So the point is, you know, it doesn't, it's not like where everyone's trying to corner the market where they don't want to help you. There's a lot of people who will help you because actually nine times out of 10, other investors typically help other investors, right? So I like when other people invest in, in the neighborhoods that I invest in because it brings the property values up. Right. You see what I'm saying? So I, I, I have I have an incentive actually to help someone like like yourself or you know any other any other investors who are interested in investing because it's going to help bring the value of my properties up because more people are investing and making that area like a hot area. So um, so there's a lot of people who will help you and you just ask them and they'll tell you their experiences because. You know, people are very honest. Um, of, you know, once you catch them offline, like yeah. I said, the 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 need to cap on online is just there. You know what I'm saying? But in, in real life, people usually don't do that. So it's typically that's typically a great way to to, to get help. Yeah, I do feel like one of the, one of the hardest things to do. Well, I could speak because I know other people who aren't in the realm of having mentors around them. Like, say for example, some students who they they already living on their own, working a job nine to five. What do you tell them, especially when they're not really the person who be, you know, out and about? They're so they're not socially, you know, extroverted. How do they get into real estate if they don't really have anybody around them that's doing it? Yeah, I mean, you know, you don't necessarily have to have mentors. I always suggest that. A good good thing is to have a real estate agent. I mean, so that could be your go to person for your real estate information, a, a professionals, agents. Um, you know, you can ask maybe friends, family, people who are kind of in your close circle who may not necessarily be real estate professionals, but have owned homes before. Um, you know, you may, maybe you're friends with people who renovate, who are in the construction field, who, who have familiarity with cost, construction costs, you know, things like that. So just the more people, you know, either directly or indirectly in the industry, it can be very beneficial to you. Yeah, definitely. So what are some key things that, you know, from the top of your mind, if someone isn't as, you know, experienced in real estate that if they go look at a house for the first time, what are some things that, you know, I know you explained to me, but what are some things that they could just, you know, tour the house and look for to make sure it's not a bad deal? Like, what are some good things to check off the list? What are some things to look out for to keep in the back of your mind when you're exploring your first deal? Right. So when you're looking at a house, most people are looking at aesthetic things, right? Like the color of the paint, you know, the furniture, the drapes, you know, stuff like that, you know, which is fine. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's what most people look at. However, you know, as a real estate investor, those things are some pretty much meaningless. You know, what you do is you start looking at, you know, the foundation, the roof, the structural things within the house. You know, how is the house set up? Is it possible? You know, is it structurally poor? Um, you know, are, are the rooms odd? odd shaped and, you know, awkward size, you know, things like that. Right. So you're basically looking at the functionality of the house more so than how it looks. Right. So if a house is big and spacious and has good functionality, even if it's ugly on the inside, has a lot of other problems, you know, you can fix those problems easily. Right. So just knowing kind of what are the hot button issues or the important issues. Let let me say with the house, that's the key thing. So you really want to focus in on the roof, the electrical, the HVAC, the plumbing and your foundation. Those are kind of the four key things that you want to look at when you're analyzing the house and the other things like what color cabinets and the carpet and all that type of stuff. 
um, you know, uh, those things are not that important. And we'll talk about that more kind of uh, in detail in other, uh, other, other sessions. Yeah, definitely. Um, and this is, a, this is also some news, you guys. We are dropping a real estate course very soon um, in the next two weeks. So you guys do be on the lookout for that. But um, another question I have too as well is, once some, do you think that the price of the house actually scares away potential investors? Like that six-figure or five-figure range scares people. Absolutely, because you know most people don't under, don't don't understand that you can get a loan or you can borrow money. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to get the money for the deal. The key to it is is how is the high house priced in comparison to what it worth what it's worth, mm-hmm. right? So if I came to you and said, "Hey, I got a dollar, and I'll give this dollar to you for forty five cents," would you would you take it? No. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> that dollar is way more, you know, it values out that 45 cents. Okay, so I'm saying I'm going to give you a dollar and all you got to do is give me 45 cents. No. You should take it. Because if I, if you're going to get a dollar back and you only got to give me 45 cents, that means you just got a dollar for 45 cents. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't, I, <laughs> no, you guys, you guys, don't, don't, don't laugh at me, you guys. Hey, hey, we, hey you know. <laughs> That was a brain fart, but I'm I'm trying to figure it. That was a brain fart, but yeah, I definitely I, I had a re I had a reword that in my head. Yeah, so that's so no no because because it's counterintuitive, right? So if I if I ask nine, so being a teacher, I'll tell you, if I ask nine people, if I ask ten people would have said exactly what you said because yeah. it's counterintuitive. Because why would someone give you a dollar for forty five cents? Right? That's that's weird. So you would think something's wrong. So you probably would say no because yeah. maybe there's something wrong with this situation, right? So. Um, you know, so I use like, I, I, let me use another example. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe this is kind of ghetto, you know what I'm saying? But maybe, maybe, maybe people have, have has anyone ever, well, let me ask you, has anyone ever, but have you ever heard of other people buying food stamps? Right. Yeah. 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 So, so let's, so let someone says, someone says, I got a hundred dollars worth of food stamps. That I'm gonna give you for $50. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, now that's the same thing that happens with real estate. Right. So, Let's take that same scenario. So now I get to go. So now I go to someone and I say, look, I don't have $50, but I know I can get $100 with this $50. Mm-hmm. So I go to someone who has $50 and say, hey, listen, you know, um, you know, Mr. Daniels, I have, I need $50 and I can give you $60 back and in two months. And then Mr. Daniels is like, okay, all right, that sounds good. If I give you 50, you're going to give me 60 back. And you're like, and you're like, yes, sir, I will in two months. Okay, great. Bam. He gives you $50. Yeah. Right. So now you go and buy that hundred dollars for $50. You sell it for a hundred dollars and you give Mr. Daniels his $60 back and you keep your 40. That's what real estate is. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Okay. So I wish I had a little whiteboard to, 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 to draw it out, but we're going to bring the whiteboard. We're going to have a whiteboard coming soon, man. <laughs> that, that first question was a brain fart. I know everybody like, damn, I'm still thinking about that shit. He said, but um, now no, you know it's funny though, and and I think this is where we're gonna go over in the course, and I really, 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 really gonna do it. We're gonna have two or three sessions of where we're gonna just talk numbers, right? Because right. in society we don't talk numbers that much, right? So you know, just verbally expressing numbers can be confusing, mm-hmm. right? Even though even though you understand, so if you wrote that, if if I wrote down what I just said and you read it, you will understand it clearly. But because we don't typically verbally express numbers, th- th- these are things that you know that 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 we need to do more often 
because yeah. then that'll help you be more conversant um, in, in, in the numbers behind deals. Yeah, that makes sense. And I just feel like that's anything in life. I just feel like there's Chinese, you know, proverbs and that say the person who speaks about the money, you know, usually gets all the money. So I just feel like one of the best things people should not be afraid of is asking questions like, okay, how much do I need to invest? Okay, how much could I make back from it? How much could I potentially lose? And I just feel like people overlook certain aspects of deals. And even when they go buy cars, people just go buy cars just because it looks good. But this car, probably they probably got a 4% interest rate on this loan on you and you don't even know what's going on for real. And they're just selling the car to you because it looks good, it sounds good. And the price on there is what, you know, you're you're not really familiar with it. But uh, absolutely. And, and then, you know, another thing I, I was going to tell, you know, I always like to say is that, you know, we're purposely undereducated in the math. Right. So the type of math that that they teach you in school does not translate into finance. Right. So people who are finance majors will understand that uh, people who majors in finance are taking finance classes. We, we don't even use the same calculator as normal people. Use a financial calculator, right? So the average person has never even been exposed to the type of calculator you need to be able to calculate interest rates, to be able to calculate loan amounts, things like that, right? So even someone who's gone all the way through school may have never even used a financial calculator before, right? So and that's and that's on purpose, and that's why people are no matter how educated they are, it's easy to finesse them in the financial realm because you're not your brain is not programmed to think in that manner. Yeah, I definitely feel like that's how you get, that's how you have the salesmen. You know, salesmen come in, you know, they they target that exactly. You know, they know who's, I know you mentioned this many times. Yeah, the contractor wants to fit your house, but you're only going to know duck if you try one. Like, you're only going to know if they, you know, put themselves out and they say some numbers. You might disagree and they be like, okay, this person don't know what they're talking about for real. And I can go ahead and eat. But um, I do feel like that's one of the biggest things society has to talk about, just financial planning actually telling people the truth and being transparent. Right. Yeah, no, it's, it's very important. Um, you know, and, and that's why it's important to have people in your corner who you trust financially, um, because ultimately at the end of the day, you know, the, our financial system is, is very complicated. It's very complex. Um, and, you know, to have people who you can trust, who can, who, who can ensure or have your best interests at heart is definitely something that's, that's very critical. Definitely. So I have one last question, too, before we wrap everything up. So what advice would you give someone who isn't really, you know, don't have all the money in the world, but they have good credit or they have all the money in the world? You know, not all the money in the world, but, you know, they're stable, 10, 15, 20 thousand dollars saved up and have bad credit. What what advice would you give to both parties of those people who are in our both situations? Find a partner in the other scenario. Right. So. So someone, so you might find someone that says, okay, so someone might come to, so let's say, for example, let's say I'm the person who has good credit. So someone who has money should come to me like, hey, I, mean, I got money. You got good credit. Let's go do a deal. We got a deal, right? Or let's say I got the money and they got the good credit. They might come to me and say, hey, you know, Mr. Daniels, I have, you know, really good credit, but I don't have that much cash. You know, I need a cash partner on the deal. Bam. That, that, that's how you do deals, right? So just not trying to do everything yourself. I think that's the hardest thing that the biggest hump I want to get everyone over is understanding that this is a collaboration business, right? When you, people who are very, very, very successful in real estate understand that and they have partners on top of partners, on top of partners, on top of partners, right? You talk to any very successful real estate investor, they have a lot of investors and a lot of partners, 
you know, now because of social media, you only see the guru, but you don't see what's behind the guru. Yeah. Right. What's behind that guru, I guarantee you, is investors and partners. Right. Because that's the only way you can scale to the level um, that where, where you're making, you know, that that amount of money. Yeah, I feel like that's definitely something people should just consider partnerships. I feel like people be like, nah, I want all the equity. I want all this money. But in realist, in, re- in re- reality, you're hurting yourself because, yeah, it's okay to, you know, own and be a full, you know, boss and everything. But I just feel like the notion of the boss people, I feel like that's very, I feel like that statement right there is like been changed over the years because everybody think that a boss is only supposed to be solely by themselves when a real boss is someone who puts everybody else in position to, you know, help themselves at the same time. I just feel like a lot of questions need to be answered when it comes to like, how do I buy my first house? You know, how do I get this money saved up? And I feel like the questions lie in collaborations and networking. Right. So that's the thing, right? So the number one thing, you know, and we talk, we'll talk about this over and over and over throughout, you know, our, our podcast and also in our courses is the number one thing is you got to have a deal, Right. And the only way for you to have a deal, to know you have a deal, is to understand your market. So you got to do your research. You got to do your homework. There's no skipping that stage, yeah. right? The, 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 the research, the homework, that's the most important part. I'm telling you, I, I tell people this every day. People always focus in on money. I tell them, money doesn't matter. And not to say money does not matter. Let me, let me not say it doesn't matter. <laughs> the most important thing is the deal, yeah. It doesn't matter how much money you cannot buy. You can't create a deal. You see what I'm saying? Like people with money are bad people who got deals to give them money. You see what I'm saying? Because, you know, there's a lot of different ways to get money. You might have inherited money. You might have a good job, you know, whatever. But if you can't crack into the real estate game unless you can get good deals, that's it. So that doesn't require any money. So the most important part of our industry finding deals doesn't require any money at all. So that's why I tell people, if you focus in on being able to find deals and you learn how to find deals consistently, money will come to you and success will come to you. But just focus in on that part first. Don't skip. Don't skip that. Definitely. Well, you know, that was a gem from Mr. Daniels, you guys. I'm about to wrap up the podcast, but I just feel like one of the best things everybody should just take away from this podcast is you know, don't ever be discouraged if one thing doesn't work out. There's always, there's always deals out there, like how Mr. Daniels tell you, there's a vast number of houses out here in the world and no one's really trying to step on everybody else, you know, obviously to get to the top is a networking thing. So I definitely recommend you guys to start out there, you know, start mingling with people, start researching, start looking for deals. You know, as long as you have a deal, like how Mr. Daniels said, you can always find money and stuff later on, but locking that deal in is very crucial. So I really appreciate you guys for listening to Rolling Business Podcast. We have Mr. Daniels here as well, who just gave us the awesome gems. And like I mentioned before, in a few weeks, we are dropping that real estate course. So you guys stay tuned. I appreciate you guys so much. I have a great, great night. All right, Mr. Daniels.